inconsistently consistent. Hello, and welcome back to Inconsistently Consistent, the podcast where we have no fucking clue what we're doing at any time. I'm <laughs> Melanie. <laughs> I'm Rachel. Yeah, we never have any clue what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, we have a plan, but we just go off the cuff most of the time. But yeah. um, this episode, I have no clue what's going on, and you do. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are going back to our roots. We're going back to some true crime, and that's what we're discussing. I came across this story after watching the movie on Netflix, and then I subsequently watched the documentary, and Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to talk about this (laughs) on the podcast. I need to tell Melanie about this because this Mm -hmm. is bonkers. (laughs) And last time, I had done all the case research Mm -hmm. and told, told it all to you. Mm-hmm. But this time, we're going the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I have no clue what this is about, anything at all. I don't usually watch documentaries. I don't have the attention span for it. That's so. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, just a quick personal life update. Uh, oh. I sent you some screenshots that you read Mm -hmm. yeah uh we are actually going to be having a conversation later to talk about what we said to each other because we said some more things that i didn't send you and -hmm. i'm not going to share because i kind of just want to keep them between me and him Mm -hmm. um but we're going to be having a conversation later to kind of continue the conversation we were having last night oh my gosh Mm -hmm. is this because i gave my approval no, this was already planned when we were, he asked. No, yes. that's the wrong answer, Rachel. Wrong answer. <laughs> it was because I gave my approval. <laughs> sure, we'll say that. Whatever <laughs> makes you sleep at night. Uh, yeah, we, well, we were actually talking more after the screenshots I sent you. And he he's currently on like a mini vacation, but he's like, I can make some time if you want so we can like talk some more about this. And I was like, yeah, that'd be really nice. So we're gonna do yeah. that sometime today. I need a nickname. Cause I, I used mystery man, but I don't, you know what? I don't, I'm not set on it. Um, I don't have the right ring to it. What about, hmm. You could call him gamer guy. Because he does GG. Yeah, he does stream. Yeah, I like that. He's GG. He's GG. He is GG. He is GG, though, in my heart. That's very corny. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Getting all sappy, aren't you? Oh my god, listen. <laughs> yes. And I hate it, but I love it. But I also hate it. Very mixed feelings about this happiness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which he's aware of. I'm like, I have is like it's not that I don't appreciate. I was like, I just it's 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 I gotta get used to it because it's been a while, okay? Yeah. Um I seen a TikTok before we get into this, just the side tangent because I have an issue with TikTok, but I seen a TikTok that somebody was like You've been single for four years. I want to congratulate you on your Bachelor of Arts of singledom. And I was like, damn. <laughs> it's like, is that. it an art, though, or is it a science? I think it's an art. I don't know. Who knows? I but know. I seen that, and I was like, that, that kind of hurts. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> it's been four years, and that hurts. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's get into it. So today, story on, time. <laughs> we are going to discuss the American serial killer Charles Cullen. Okay, that's a name I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, Charles Cullen was born on February twenty second, nineteen sixty, and mm-hmm. he was a nurse. Mm-hmm. who murdered dozens, maybe hundreds of patients during his 16-year career. 
you mean 16 year killing career or 16 year nursing career 16 year nursing career okay but i mean if he was killing the entire time it's kind of a both yeah so this his murder spanned across several new jersey medical centers this is all focused in new jersey and he Mm -hmm. confessed to at least 40 murders and 29 have been confirmed okay so he confessed Mm -hmm. he's one of those he is one of those Mm, was he looking for the fame and fortune you will find out. Stay tuned on this episode of Inconsistently Consistent. And when you say like a nurse killing, I always think angel mercy killers. Mm. Yeah. Right? That are like, okay, well, this person is old. They're suffering. They have this type of disease going on. Well, I'll kill them and take them out of their misery, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of whenever I hear like a killer in a like a medical environment, I mm-hmm. immediately go, must be one of those. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where my guess is. But I'm thinking not. But okay. I, that would be my first instinct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was born Charles Edmund Cullen, and he was born in West Orange, New Jersey, and he was the youngest of eight children. Oh, so he, so he was looking for attention. Who's the therapist in this situation? Hey, I have a psychology background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do a lot of tr- like trauma informed and psychology based like uh, education stuff that I have to you know keep my education stuff up for mm-hmm. credits to keep practicing law. So mm-hmm. you know I focus a lot on psychology stuff because that's interesting and not the boring stuff. Yeah, that's true. So he had a very rough childhood growing up. And we about mm-hmm. to go into it. So his father died on September 17th, 1960, when Charles was seven months old. Mm-hmm. So we're starting Daddy off strong. Daddy issues. Starting off strong. I need to keep a list. <laughs> to keep a tally. <laughs> I'm keeping a list. I'm getting a sheet of paper. Hold on. Um, okay. Do you want me to wait while you actually get a sheet of paper? Well, I'm going to rip out paper from this notebook. So okay. Unless okay. you want that noise covering what you're saying. Okay. So let's see. Here we go. We've got daddy issues, attention seeker, little bitch. Okay. Got that one there so far. Yep. Yep. Got all this. Okay. So he was bullied by his schoolmates and his sister's boyfriends. And I predicted this little bitch. Yeah. And he just, he himself described his childhood as miserable. Mm hmm. So at age nine, he made the first of many suicide attempts by drinking chemicals from a chemistry set. Okay. I don't have anything funny to talk about with that. No, because that's not funny. No. Um, So on top of losing his dad, he also Mm -hmm. lost his mom. So his mom was Uh-oh. killed in a car accident at the age of 55 when Charles was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he recalled the death as devastating and he was upset that the hospital didn't inform him of his mother's death and cremated the body instead of returning it to the family. Okay. Apparently we'll hospital- move on the hospital. Yeah, apparently hospitals just do these types of things. I wasn't aware that they just kind of cremated bodies at will, but, you know. No. I mean, at least, you know, in the area I practice, they wait to figure out what your wishes are. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you had to kind of pay for it anyway. Mm -hmm. So you go to, like, a funeral home and stuff. But, like, without, like, checking with the family or anything... Mm-hmm. Just like package it up, like what they yeah. do, like box it up, like stamp a little Amazon thing, and be like, oh, "This would be funny." They might have. They might have put like fragile on it and sent it through the mail. <laughs> fragile, fragile. Uh, so he graduated from Orange West Orange High School, and he enlisted in the United States Navy. Okay. Interesting. So he served aboard the USS Woodrow Wilson and he passed basic training and psych evaluation 
and eventually rose to the rank of petty officer. So but he passed the psych eval. He did pass the But he psych goes eval. on to become a serial killer. He did pass the psych eval. Okay. Figure that one out. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> what kind of thing do they do? They go, you sure you're sane? Yep. Come on in. What do you see in this picture? A dog? Perfect, you're sane. Uh, can you uh, count to four yes yes awesome good definitely mentally healthy oh totally mentally healthy uh just like at school he was bullied and hazed by his crewmen as well Mm -hmm. so this is a little tidbit that was kind of a little weird when i was reading it i was like "Hmm, this is odd um so a year into his service, his leading officer found him seated in the missile controls because he was working on, you know, a sub and was dealing with missiles and stuff. Um, he found him seated in the missile controls in a surgical mask, gloves, and scrubs rather than his, you know, Navy uniform. But oh. he never explained why he was there like that. Yeah. Okay. He says, I'll just be here in the missile controls looking like a doctor or nurse or something. Like I'm about to scrub in for surgery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just going to surgically remove these missiles from the submarine and send them off somewhere. Yeah. No reason. He didn't explain why he was just there. So mm-hmm. I was like, this is, that's a little. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, and he sends them off. He can call it a transplant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> transplant some missiles up your ass. <laughs> So he was disciplined and eventually reassigned to a lower pressure job on the supply ship USS Cannabis. However, he attempted, again, he attempted suicide and was committed to the Navy psychiatric ward multiple times before he was medically discharged in 1984. Okay. Like, I'm not laughing at that part, but I thought you said USS Cannabis. Cannabis. Okay. But I Not heard cannabis. cannabis. So I, I was like, I know, whoa. I, I know you're, what your brain heard. <laughs> like, really? Weed gets legal? And they're like, you know what? Let's name a submarine after this. I mean, it was the 80s. Time was, times were different. Okay. So after he was medically discharged, he enrolled at Mountainside Hospital's Nursing School in Montclair, New Jersey. And graduated in 1986 and started working at St. Barnabas Medical Center in Livingston, New Jersey. Okay. So while so he did get he did get like his nurse training. Yes, he did get his actual nurse training. Yeah. He is. A I was starting to nurse. think. Yeah, I was starting to think that he just like jumped in and was like, you know what? I'm a nurse. Don't check my credentials. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nurse. Because <laughs> I say I am. <laughs> I wore a uniform once, a nursing uniform, mm-hmm. while I not, sat amongst the missiles. It was not for a sexual reason I wore this. <laughs> we don't know why I wore this. I didn't tell anybody why I wore this. <laughs> it's like, cool, 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 cool. Just playing doctor with the missiles. Yep. Ten, can you tell me where it hurts, Mr. Missile? Oh, right on your red button? Let me press it for you. Let me press the red button. Wee! Be free. Be free. Okay. So, he did meet somebody, and he ended up marrying a woman named Adrian Baum in 1987. Adrian Baum? Baum. B-A-U-M. Okay. I heard Baum, like B-O-M-B? Yeah, and I, I think was like, now made the missiles make sense. <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced, bomb, because it reminds me of like lip balm or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they did have two daughters. Mm-hmm. And during the course of their marriage, his wife became disturbed by his unusual behavior and his abuse of the family dog. Oh, no. I know. Trigger warning, Rachel. There's going to be all sorts of trigger warnings at the start of this episode. Don't worry. Yeah, but you didn't trigger warn me. No, because I needed to surprise you. Yeah. You know, when um, you hurt a dog, you should be able to, you know, get in a death sentence. I mean, yeah. what? What? Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, so in 1993, 
uh, Adrian filed a restraining order against him based on her fear that he might endanger her and the two children. And mm-hmm. she claimed that Colin spiked people's drinks with lighter fluid, burned oh. his daughter's books, and left his daughters with a babysitter for a week. Whoa. So we just okay. gonna we just gonna let that sink in a little bit. Yeah. Okay, well like burn the books. That's never you know that's always gone well in history. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, just like, oh, yeah, the babysitter. You know, when are you going to be back? Um, next week, you know? Maybe uh, maybe June of 2024. Does that work for you? Yeah, does, does that work? Yeah. yeah, it's like hire the babysitter and actually you're just trying to transfer custody. Mm. And of course, as as they always do, Colin denied any of her claims and was just claiming that his wife was trying to make him seem crazy. Mm. Typical. So now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, which is all of the murders. And oh boy, hold on to your butts. (laughs) (laughs) So his first murders occurred at St. Barnabas on June 11th, 1988. So he administered a lethal dose of an IV medication to a patient and his kind of drug of choice to use was uh, digoxin. It's It's a heart medication, some type of heart medication. Okay. So he admitted to killing several other patients, including an AIDS patient who died after an overdose of insulin. And basically Mm -hmm. how he would do it is he would insert the medication into like an IV bag with water. And then obviously that drips down into Mm -hmm. the people, how IV bags work. Very scientific Mm -hmm. description of it from my part. Um, so are you a nurse? <laughs> no. You seem like you know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of research for this. And like I said, I watched the documentary and the movie and they showed him mm-hmm. like how he did it. He took a syringe and he poked the syringe in the bag and mm-hmm. did it that way. Um, so he left St. Barnabas in June 1992 as authorities began investigating some contaminated IV bags. And he took a job at Warren Hospital in Phyllisburg, New Jersey, where mm-hmm. he murdered three elderly women with the same medication, the digoxin. So how many is that now? We're at four-ish, five-ish maybe, because it doesn't say how many he actually killed at St. Barnabas. Yeah. But three just confirmed at Warren, just a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And is there any reasoning at this point for what, like, why he's killing? Like, not that authorities are aware of, but we do get to okay. his reasoning. Motive um, is always the most interesting to me. Yeah, the motive for this one is um interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he moved to a basement apartment in Phillipsburg because him and his wife got divorced, obviously. And she kicked mm-hmm. him out. And he actually wanted to quit nursing, but couldn't do so because he had to pay child support payments. So he had to continue working as a nurse. Okay. Um, so also during this time, he broke into a co-worker's house and began stalking the woman. And she did file a restraining order against him. Mm-hmm. And he did plead guilty to trespassing and received one year of probation and, surprise, surprise, attempted suicide again. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a common theme you're going to find out through this is the number of suicide attempts mm-hmm. this man does. Uh, so he took two months off work to be treated for dep- depression in two separate psychiatric facilities. And by the end of that year, he attempted suicide twice, two more times. 
Wow. Okay. So in September of the same year, this is all in the same year. Mm -hmm. This is all in 1993, all of this. Mm -hmm. So in September of that year, a 91-year-old cancer patient reported that Cullen, who was not her assigned nurse, entered mm -hmm. her room and injected her with a needle, and she did die the next day. Okay. So the woman's son argued that the death was not an accident and the hospital administered a lie detector test to Cullen and to my surprise, especially reading this, he passed the lie detector test. Okay. That's interesting. Eli agrees. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. You can pass a lie detector. Mm-hmm. But again, like, it seems like the, the ones that you've listed that he's killed, like a cancer patient, a patient with a HIV, um, I didn't pay attention if there's any other ones. No, there was no other specific ones. Yeah. So, like, the two that we know of, like, their circumstances. So, we have, like, an elderly cancer patient. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I don't know if there's a description at all of the man with HIV. There, there was no description, no. Yeah, about, like, age or anything. So, yeah. right there, I'm still, like, mm, could be an Angel Mercy killer, right? Especially if you see that he's got these um like suicide attempt so like maybe he's like i'm miserable i want to help other people and like that kind of twisted mentality mm -hmm. but i feel like it's not though that's i don't really have any like evidence to support why i don't think that mm -hmm. yeah don't you know but like it would make sense in that kind of sense with that angel of mercy killer mentality mm -hmm. to go with like a lie detector because passing a lie detector when you think you've done no wrong and you think you've been helping mm -hmm. right like that that kind of uh mentality would go hand in hand mm -hmm. besides just someone that knows the tricks to pass a lie detector mm -hmm. okay keep going keep going okay so <laughs> After that, he did a three-year stint in the ICU of Hunterdon Medical Center in Flemington, New Jersey. Um, mm -hmm. He did admit to murdering five patients there between January and September of 1996. However, the hospital records were destroyed prior to his arrest in 2003. So they can't exactly oh, confirm my. how many were actually killed during his time there. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just had to move Hexa off the desk. <laughs> She's that interested in this. She is that interested. Um, so after that position at Hunterdon, he worked at Marnston Memorial Hospital, but was fired for his poor performance and sought treatment again for depression in Warren Hospital Emergency Room, and he was briefly admitted to another psychiatric facility. Yeah. Melanie's like, yeah, checks out, checks out. Yeah, checks out, checks out. Mm -hmm. So in February of 1998, he was hired by Liberty Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And mm -hmm. he was in the section of the hospital that was respir respirator-dependent patients. And okay. he got accused of giving patients drugs at unscheduled times and was fired after being seen entering a patient's room with syringes in his hand and during this encounter mm -hmm. he actually broke the patient's arm because of the struggle oh so they didn't want this like they didn't want to be injected and he like fought yeah them. yeah mm. so he was fired twice so far he's been fired twice so far yeah yeah how did he keep getting more jobs? We're going to get to that. <laughs> right? How are they just like, you know what? You were fired before. We're going to give you a shot. And then, oh, shit, look at all those syringes he's mm -hmm. trying to stick in people. But that hospital, like if he's in like the patients on respirators mm -hmm. type of area, 
then like that seems like prime ground for him Mm -hmm. to kill Mm -hmm. like he just walked into like a supermarket the you know the murderer kind yes (laughs) the murderer supermarket a murderer supermarket yes as we're familiar we're all familiar with murderer supermarkets (laughs) (laughs) the analogy isn't good but you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean it's like a buffet. He's like, oh, I can have my Yes, cake. that's yes. a better way. <laughs> Just like murderer supermarket. Murderer supermarket. <laughs> but instead, you know, you go and you just eat whatever you want, you know, at the murderer supermarket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> like a buffet. Pretty much. But not a buffet. <laughs> but not a buffet. Because that would be too simple. That would be way too simple. <laughs> So, he was employed at Easton Hospital from November 1998 to March 1999, and on December 30th of 1998, he murdered another patient, and they ran a blood test on this patient and showed that there was lethal amounts of digoxin in the patient's blood. Mm -hmm. This is kind of his MO at this point. Um, Yeah. The hospital did do an internal investigation, but it came up inconclusive. Of course. So this is, you were asking, how does he keep <clears throat> getting jobs? Mm-hmm. He c- continued to get more jobs because there was a national shortage of nurses. Uh, and they're like, even better with someone that keeps killing people. Then, you know, someone that's unqualified. Well, they probably didn't know that he was actually killing people yet. So, you know. I mean, I don't know. By this time, someone should have flagged this. Like, he got in a fight with a patient mm-hmm. trying to stab them with syringe. And they fired him for it at one of these places. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, no red flags here. Yeah. So... This is the thing. Even with his history of mental instability and the number of deaths, he could still find work because there was no reporting mechanisms yet that helped Mm. identify nurses with mental health or employment problems. And liabilities. I know, but, you know, they could, like, they might just fudge the reference. And liability concerns made hospitals unwilling to take action against him. Just think about it. Mm. If you're a hospital that comes out and says, yo, we hired this nurse who has a history of like all this mental illness, multiple suicide attempts, three, four psychiatric commitments, and he's mm-hmm. been killing patients, that's just a whole can of lawsuits waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why that inconclusive mm-hmm. for that it's investigation, like the internal investigation that you mentioned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about that woman dying mm-hmm. was like hmm why are you inconclusive mm-hmm. were you actually inconclusive or were the results made to be seen inconclusive yeah so is it like more like well you know we don't want to get sued mm-hmm. inconclusive mm-hmm. so in March 1999 he took a job at a burn unit at Allentown's Leahy Valley Hospital, Cedar Crescent. Cedar Crest, that's a long hospital name. Right. And he murdered another patient there and attempted to murder another one. Uh, he did voluntary re- voluntarily resign from this position and took a job at the cardiac unit at St. Luke's Hospital in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Just, what the fuck so he voluntarily resigns yeah voluntarily mm-hmm. in quotes mm-hmm. but resigned there right mm-hmm. after he attempted to murder another one mm-hmm. who knew he attempted probably a co-worker there's a few times that like some co-workers have tried to say something but the hospital was just kind of like shush them fuck You know, what's worse, you know, being sued or 
just setting the serial killer on the loose. I'm saying, very good. Here's your reference for your next job. Don't come back here, please. We don't want our patients dying because we don't want to pay for it. But mm-hmm. you want to go do it at, you know, down the street, go ahead. We'll help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on January 11th, 2000, he again attempted to commit suicide by lighting a charcoal grill in a bathtub and hoped to succumb to the carbon monoxide poisoning. Is it bad that I'm like, the more times he attempts, I'm like, I hope this one's successful. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. it just ends like rain. I'm killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so the neighbors smelled smoke and they called the authorities and they came to rescue him. So he was taken to a hospital and a psychiatric facility, but was returned home the next day. Yeah, because they don't want him anywhere near the hospitals. But also They're like, he'll just health. start killing his, like, you know, co-patients. I don't know. Co-pa- Fellow patients. There you go. It's co-patients. <laughs> I was like, co-patients? That seems wrong. I'm thinking, like, co-workers and colleagues. And I'm like, this is not the word I'm looking for. No. Co-patients. That is- That's it. Definitely not the word you're looking for. As you can tell, I have a migraine. Oh, already? <laughs> I had one all day. Okay, I was going to say, oh, I'm sorry. I gave you a migraine. <laughs> no, I've had one all day. Okay, so here's the thing. No one suspected that he was actually murdering patients at St. Luke's until one of his coworkers found some medication vials in the disposal bin. And the investigation did reveal that he was the one who took the medication. Mm-hmm. So he was offered a deal by the hospital to resign and they would give him a neutral recommendation for his next position. Oh, how <laughs> reprimanded he was. I know. <laughs> bad. You bad, bad boy. Here's a neutral recommendation and now get out. And go get a new job. Mm-hmm. But we want you to voluntarily go. Yes. Yeah, what if they were like, that was Bundy? They were like, you know what? Next time you kill, we're just going to give you like a parking ticket. Mm-hmm. Here you go. You don't have to pay it, though. Because, like, we don't want to inconvenience you. Mm-hmm. But, like, next time, just don't kill here, okay? Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Yeah. So actually, while he was at St. Luke's, seven of his co-workers alerted the Leahy County District Attorney of the suspicion that he was killing patients. But the investigators never looked into Cullen's past. Seven. Seven. Seven of those co-workers, not mm-hmm. to be confused with co-patients, Mm-hmm. that reported mm-hmm. and they're like nah no mm-hmm. big deal mm-hmm. that's probably just talk you mm-hmm. know how co-workers they like to like to gripe on another employee you know mm-hmm. all like ah oh, Susan's a bitch she's a murderer did you know that yeah I say that all the time yeah I'm sure Lexi's a horrible co-worker yeah she's a murderer didn't you know mm. She murders French fries. <laughs> <laughs> no potato is safe. No potato is safe from Lexi. <laughs> okay, so September 2002. He worked at the critical care unit of Somerset Medical Center in Somerville, New Jersey. And this is kind of where the movie is set as at mm-hmm. this medical center. So he actually began dating one of the other nurses there. Her name is Amy. I don't have her last I'm name so, off the top of my head. I'm so glad it's looking up for him. Amy, His life was going so poorly. I know. Amy Lauher is the name of the nurse that he started dating. Yeah. So he killed at least 
13 patients and attempted to kill at least another one using digoxin, insulin, and epinephrine. Yeah. I don't know what to say anymore. So he unsuccessfully attempted to murder Philip Crager. He was an older patient. And he actually did survive, but did pass away from natural causes six months later. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, So Somerset Hospital actually began to notice his wrongdoing when he was accessing rooms and records of patients that he was not assigned to. Notice. Yes. One of the things that someone noticing something. I know, right? And one of the things at this hospital is they had a computerized drug dispensing cabinet that showed he was requesting medications that the patients had not been prescribed so they had they had a way to track because in the movie and in the documentary they confirmed that you had a specific code assigned to you so you would go in enter your code request the medication and it would dispense it for you okay Mm -hmm. so his request included many orders that would that were canceled and lots of requests that were made within minutes of each other. So he'd put a request and cancel it, put a request and cancel it, and then do multiple in a row. Why? A good question. It makes no sense. If you want the medication, just get it. Just take it. I mean, like, what? why is he, like, put it in, cancel it, put it in, cancel it? Is he going, like, should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? Should I? Yes, I should. Like, what the frig? It's like, you know, like thing where you like pick pl- uh, petals off flowers. Like, mm-hmm. does he love me? He should loves me. Like, he loves me not. Should I kill him? Lo- should I not? Should I kill him? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. So, yeah, that was like the weird thing because in the movie, they pull those records and they can look through and like, Amy ends up actually helping the police and she's able to identify like, oh yeah, this is this drug and this one was canceled. This was a request that was put in, then it was canceled again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so he in July, didn't use someone else's code? No, he used no, he used his own code. I thought he would use his girlfriend's. No. Like, that would be smart. That would be smart, but no. You know, not as smart as you should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kill people. Yeah. But, I mean, like, not as smart as he could have done that. But, mm-hmm. like, I thought that was the whole point of the girlfriend. No, so basically, kind of little backstory. Uh, Amy, she's a single mom. She mm-hmm. had a heart condition. Mm-hmm. And she had just started at the hospital. And she was told by her doctor that she needed to get surgery. But she had to wait her three months until her health insurance kicked in so she couldn't go off. Mm -hmm. So he was like, he actually caught her one day because she fainted due to the heart condition and she hadn't told anybody else about it. So he was helping her with her rounds and stuff. Okay. Which was just ideal for him. Now Mm -hmm. he has a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he was helping her with her rounds to make sure she was resting and everything because of, you know, her heart. And he was like, oh, just take off. She's like, I can't. I'm a single mom. Like, if I take it off now, I don't get the insurance and everything. And obviously, we know the healthcare system in the United States is not the best. Nope. Not unless you got a whole bunch of money to throw at stuff. Yep. So... That's kind of how they interacted with each other. And then they eventually started dating. Um, so in July of 2003, the executive director of the New Jersey Poison Information and Education System warned the Somerset officials that four suspicious overdoses indicated mm-hmm. that there was a possibility that an employee was killing the patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we're starting to people yeah, start starting to... to get put together. Yeah. Um, 
So a patient died of low blood sugar in October 2003, and the hospital alerted the New Jersey State Police. Um, basically, the hospital got in shit for failing to report a non-fatal insulin overdose that Cullen administered in August. Okay. And Somerset actually fired Cullen on October 31st, 2003, and they fired him on the premise that he lied on his resume. About what? About his employment history. Oh, did he, like, edit it? I, yeah, he did edit some of it, so they fired him for that because they didn't want to actually deal with that. Yeah, let's not deal with the serial killer. Let's just mm -hmm. say, you know what, like, this, you said you were at, you know, St. Luke's for one year, but you were there for two. You know what, we gotta let you go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you kill who you want to kill, right? Like, we don't want to get in your way. You do you. Yep. yep. Pretty much. Um, so Amy was the one who actually alerted the police officers because she became concerned about his records of assessing the drugs. And the fact that he mm -hmm. was always around when the patient died, that was the thing. So every time a patient died, mm -hmm. when they would like, I don't know what the codes are at the hospital, but he always mm -hmm. happened to be there. Yeah. So, you know. Go Amy. Alrighty. So now we're going to get on to his hero this story. arresting and his sentencing. Okay. Are, are you ready? No. Okay. So, but he yeah, was yeah. arrested on December 12th, 2003. And he was actually arrested in a restaurant. Him and a Amy set up a sting with the police officers to get him. Okay. Is this the movie um, with Sarah Paulson? No, it's the movie with Eddie, Red Eddie Redman and Jessica Chastain. Oh. Uh... Sarah Paulson's in something about a nurse, isn't she? I don't know. Maybe. It's on uh, Netflix or something. Something nurse. Yeah, this one's on Netflix as well. Yeah. I so, think there's a series, though. I never it watched might be. it. Yeah. So, he was charged with one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. Mm -hmm. However, he did admit to the homicide detectives who were Dan Baldwin and Tim Braun, that he murdered a patient, Florian Gale, and attempted to murder Jin Hyung Han. I probably butchered that name. I apologize. He did plead guilty to killing 13 patients. Mm -hmm. In total. And he made an agreement with the police that he would help them and cooperate with them for not seeking the death penalty because they wanted to seek the death penalty against him. Okay. Um, so on November, in November 2004, he pled guilty in Allentown to killing six patients and trying to kill three others. Um, he also is kind of an ass because he repeatedly interrupted the proceedings by taunting the judge. To the point that they actually had to gag him in court. <laughs> because he was saying, Your Honor, you need to step down. Your Honor, you need to step down. Yeah, that'll get your judge to, to really like you and give you a good sentence. Mm -hmm, that'll help. Right. Definitely, yeah. So they had to gag him. Because he kept repeating that. I have seen cases where they've removed... But it's, like, in more recent years. They've removed mm -hmm. the person from the courtroom and put mm -hmm. them in another courtroom by themselves with just, like, security mm -hmm. and that for doing stuff like that. And um, basically just muted them because they wouldn't shut up because mm -hmm. they're on, like, a video then. Mm -hmm. I've got to show you the video after. It's, it's insane. This guy, like, builds a fortress of boxes and uh, folders. He's supposed to be representing himself, and he's that bad oh my that God. they booted him out of the courtroom, put him in another one, and he just, like, built up a little fortress and hid behind it. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
It was bad. It was kind of funny to watch, though, but just because the ridiculousness of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's not all there mentally. Like, no, definitely has. I don't know if it's drugs or something, but this guy was mm-hmm. just ugh, not not right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And anyway, this this guy has been gagged in court. Yeah, he's been gagged in court. <laughs> so he was sentenced on March. 2nd 2006 and he was sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences and it's not eligible for parole until june 10th of 2403 2403 holy shit so he gonna be dead before he's even eligible for parole at this rate (laughs) he's gonna be dead many times over Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm but I read that I was like, 11 consecutive light sentences. Sheesh. Yeah. That's a good sentence. Mm-hmm. Good job, Judge. Mm-hmm. You don't need to step down. All right. So you've been asking the whole time, why did he do this? What was his motive? Yes. And you've been torturing me by not letting me know. I know. So now, this is in his words. Charles said he overdosed patients to spare them from being seen going to cardiac or respiratory arrest and being listed as a cold code blue emergency, which I guess is what happens when you go into cardiac or respiratory arrest. And he couldn't bear to witness or hear about attempts to save the victim's life. Mm hmm. He gave the patients overdose so that he could end their suffering and prevent the hospital personnel from dehumanizing them. However, not all of his patients were terminal. Yeah, so he does see himself as an angel of mercy killer. Mm-hmm. And, but some of them not terminal, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a little odd for an angel yeah. of mercy killer. Yeah. So I think it back to how the hospital treated his mom when she died. Mm -hmm. And I think he doesn't want that to happen. But yes, a lot of the patients he treated weren't terminal. There was one that was about to be released, like the next day. Jeez. And he killed her. So like the daddy issue is not so prevalent. The mommy issues. Yeah. That's the big kicker here. Mm Mm-hmm. How dare the hospital dehumanize somebody by trying to resuscitate them? I know, right? Bad, how, bad hospitals. How dare, the, how dare the hospitals do their jobs by trying to resuscitate people? Yeah, I mean, trying to save people's lives. What do they think they're doing? Oh, I know. Friggin' what kind fascists. Of, what kind of hospitals do they think these are? This isn't communist Russia. <laughs> Every life doesn't matter. In Soviet Russia, in Soviet Russia, hospital revive you. (laughs) In Soviet Russia, hospital kill you. (laughs) Yes, you kill hospital. Hospital kill you. (laughs) (sighs) I'm kind of disappointed. He's just an angel of mercy. I mean, he's a messed up angel of mercy. He's kind of an angel of mercy, but not really. Just the fact that, like, his patients weren't terminal. You know? Yeah. Like, but that's I, where his mentality is, right? Yeah, that's his mentality behind it. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing. I expected more. I know. You expected more from a serial killer. I mean, like, uh, you got a movie and... A documentary on this guy, mm-hmm. but he's just so plain. I know I'm like calling a serial killer plain. <laughs> I'm just being like, they're not even interesting. They're not even a good serial killer. They're like not even a good story. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's better when you actually like see the movie, but like, I maybe I just built it up too much. I expected too much. Mm, that's on you. It's the writer in me. I know. 
Not everybody can write a number one best-selling novel, okay? I don't have a number one best-selling novel. <laughs> Not yet. Shh. Shush. It's number one best-selling in my heart. Okay, so he used, um, as we've discussed, he used drugs like digoxin and insulin. Um, because they were less likely to attract attention compared mm-hmm. to traditional painkillers and stimulants. Um, these painkillers and stimulants are very strictly regulated by hospitals because they have such a high street value, whereas yep. these drugs that he used are not commonly found on the street. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if like they pulled the records, and or if they found in the blood, like, oh, there's like some type of painkillers and stimulants, they'd be like, oh, damn, we got to lock this down now. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's like, angel of mercy killers that, or, like, even just, like, hospital environment type of killers mm-hmm. that kill by just injecting, like, an air bubble. Yes. Right? And that is even less likely to be detected. Mm-hmm. So... I'm just saying, he didn't even do this smartly. Yeah, I know the air bubble way because, like, obviously, if you can't predict if there's going to be an air bubble in a hose, it could just happen. Yeah, so, like, all you'd have to do is take an empty syringe and do an air bubble Mm -hmm. injection, which he wouldn't have been tracked with any drugs then. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, like, almost indetectable. This guy just disappoints me, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I would have written this guy so much better. I know you would have written him better. <laughs> okay, so there's some legal impacts that kind of came from this say. Case. I know, right? Um, as we mentioned, he was able to move from facility to facility undetected because of the lack of requirements to report suspicious behavior. Mm-hmm. by medical workers and there's inadequate inadequate legal obligations on employers. Mm-hmm. Um New Jersey and Pennsylvania only required healthcare facilities to report suspicious deaths in the most egregious cases. And okay. the penalties for failing to report these incidents were really minor. So there was kind of like no actual motivation to report these types of things. Oh my so I think like an, a a serious case would be like I assume somebody dying on an operating table. Yeah, kind of be like a big one, or yeah. you know you operate on them and say they get an infection from something. Yeah, and I guess maybe like you cut off the wrong leg during surgery, mm-hmm. or you accidentally nicked a vein or something like that during, and you the person bled out. Like I, that's what I think. Or um, Mm -hmm. say you gave them something you didn't know they were, like, they were allergic to. Yeah. Something like that. So something Uh, very clearly wrong and not, you know, just someone killing somebody. That's that's Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, The employers also feared investigating the incidents or giving bad employment references for fear of triggering lawsuits, as we mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm. They'd rather just kind of not deal with it. Off to the next one. Yeah. Um, So several hospitals did suspect him of harming or killing the patients, but they failed to take the appropriate legal actions, and many of the hospitals were sued by the families of his victims. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. these files and sediments settlements were sealed so i can't find yeah. how much they actually got because they were i think they were settled outside of the courtroom yeah settlements are always confidential mm-hmm. there's always like a confidentiality non-disclosure type of clause with them mm-hmm. when they go through the court system you'll have like dra- uh, judgments written up by judges that mm-hmm. are published but sometimes they seal certain things about them too Mm-hmm. depending on what kind of information yeah a lot yeah. of his co-workers did try 
to informally prevent him from being hired or tried to get him fired as well because they some of them did start to suspect. So mm-hmm. I know that in the movie and the documentary, Amy mentions that she did speak with some of his old coworkers. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how she started to piece things together. And actually, the movie starts off with, I think it starts off with a code blue or one one of the codes. I don't, again, I don't know the codes. Don't come for me, hospital people. Um, (laughs) But, and he's kind of just standing outside the room and you see Amy, who's played by Jessica Chastain, looking at his character and kind of like, confused as to what happened because obviously he was the last one in the room and then all of a sudden this patient's going into like cardiac arrest Mm -hmm. and this patient was fine prior to him being in the room yeah but I think his MO changed a little bit from the Mm -hmm. beginning because like you said um, the elderly woman who had cancer Mm -hmm. that he ended up killing he injected her with something the day before she died. Yeah. So there was like more of an extended period mm-hmm. between the like the killing blow and the death. I think with the drug he used, I don't think it's like a fast acting one. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it's one that like you inject it and maybe it takes like a few hours or something to kick in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is Charles Cullen. So is he still alive in prison? The good nurse. I believe he is. Let me just do a quick jujal. But I do believe he, he is still alive. Let me see. Yep, he's still alive. He is currently 63. Yeah. He's still alive in prison. Mm-hmm. And he's not getting out. He's not getting out anytime soon good sentence though mm-hmm. it's a good sentence because sometimes you see things like different crimes and stuff and you see that the sentence comes out and it's like oh 20 years mm-hmm. and it's like whoa, whoa whoa you think this person is going to be able to not go killing a bunch of people again mm-hmm. but this one like making sure he never ever gets out with us good on the judge Mm-hmm. There was also a book written by Charles uh, Graber. It's called The Good Nurse, A True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder. And the Netflix film was adapted off of this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That is the story. What a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Or he didn't even do it very smart. No. Right? A stupid piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking up some information about Amy. So Amy didn't see him as a mercy killer. She's seen him as a cold-blooded murderer. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I kind of get. Well, the fact that he went back and watched... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like he said, like you said that he said he um, he couldn't he couldn't bear to watch um, the people suffering. He couldn't bear to watch the the hospital dehumanize them. Mm-hmm. But he went back and watched them die. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, there. So mm-hmm. you can't bear to watch it, and you are like a traditional angel of mercy killer. Then like. You wouldn't want to watch the suffering mm-hmm. by that logic. Like, you might stay around to make sure the person actually dies and dies peacefully mm-hmm. if you're an Angel of Mercy killer. But mm-hmm. a lot of times you see Angel of Mercy killers that just basically give the drug or do whatever they're doing to actually kill somebody and then peace out, mm-hmm. right? They don't stick around. Because they don't want anyone to catch on that they're, like, in mm-hmm. related to this kill in any way. And that it's not just an accident. Mm-hmm. But also they don't really want to see what they've done. They just want the outcome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think he's 
traditional Angel of Mercy killer, but I don't know if there's any other kind of like subset mm-hmm. he would fit into. Yeah, I'm not sure. I also need to just do a quick update. Um, he did get the 11 consecutive life sentences. However, mm-hmm. during his sentencing hearing, uh, he kept repeating, Your Honor, you need to step down. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the judge gave him an additional six life sentences. <laughs> <laughs> what is this judge's name? Uh, the judge's name, it was Judge William H. Platt. Uh, Judge Platt. I don't yeah. know anything about him, but you know what? <laughs> that was awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what a boss move. And he was, uh, he had to be gagged with cloth and duct taped as well. And he continued <laughs> to try to repeat the phrase. And the judge was like, you know what? Fuck this. Have an additional six life sentences. Piece of shit. <laughs> I love that the judge ordered it. They're like, gag him with cloth. That's not working. Bring out the duct tape. I keep it in my locker. No, no idea why. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, no reasons there. <laughs> Maybe just for this occurrence. And then he's like, he won't shut up. You know what? Go in prison even longer. I want your I want your skeleton to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't that be funny, though? Not really that funny, because it's kind of gross. But, yeah. like, they're like, you know what? You have to stay in prison. And then after you die, we're going to keep your body here. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep your bones here. And you have to stay here until you just, like, decompose so much there's nothing left of you at all. Except dust. Mm-hmm. Because you're so bad, that's why what we're gonna do. Y- your your corpse has to serve time as well. Yeah, I would make a bad judge. <laughs> no, I think you would be a great judge, actually. <laughs> I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, bring out the duct tape. Bring out the duct tape. Let's go. Your Honor, we mm-hmm. haven't said anything yet. And like, I didn't want to hear any of it. Mm-hmm. I don't like this case. Everybody gets duct taped. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's it. That's all she wrote. I do recommend watching the movie, and I know you're not a documentary person, but I would recommend the documentary as well. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed them. Yeah. I-, I could probably watch the movie, mm-hmm. but I'm not good with documentaries. They're too long, and there's not enough there's not enough va-va-boom, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, in a movie, you have, like, a narrative story, and I can follow it. Mm-hmm. But in a documentary, I just, I, I don't have a detention span. Like, I'd have to watch it in, like, five different settings, even if it's only, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, I think this one's a fairly short, quote-unquote, documentary by documentary standards. hmm But, yeah. Let us know, listeners, if you like the story, if you think he's a shit serial killer like Melanie does. Um, Let us know if you... serial killers, he's on the low end. Mm -hmm. Um, Let us know if you have any other true crime things you want us to look into because we do enjoy the true crime. We dabble in the true crime. Melanie wrote a book about crime. Take a shot every fictional. time I say crime. Fictional crime. Fictional crime. Fictional crime. Take a shot every time I say crime. And you want to see a, a serial killer. Uh, you know, he's fictional. But, like, way more interesting than this guy. And smart about it, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, read my book, The Toymaker. Mm-hmm. You can find the, that information on MelanieFlynnBooks.com. It's also going to be listed in our episode description. You can find me. I'm underscore Rachel VR underscore on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, we are Inconsistent Podcast 1 on Instagram and Inconsistently Consistent on Facebook. Facebook? Facebook. <laughs> and you can find me at Melanie Flynn dash author on Facebook and at Melanie with an extra E on the end, 427 on Instagram. But all of my links and information is on melaniefunbooks.com as well as our podcast website page. Mm-hmm. Remember to out. like, go check that out. You remember to like, rate, review us, leave a comment, say 
man, this guy sucks. Or yeah, you say Demented Squirrel Brain Man was way better. Yeah, Demented Squirrel Brain Man was pretty cool. It was a callback to our first ever True Crime episode. Yes, I said. And if you, again, if you have any suggestions of true crime things you want us, maybe ones that are not so mainstream, because we're trying to stay away from, like, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Zodiac Killer, um, oh my god, Richard Richard Ramirez, the -hmm. Night Stalker, that's him. Yep. We're trying to stay away from those ones. So if you have any lesser known ones you want us to talk about, let us know. We'll look them up. We'll do an episode. Yeah, if you like us to do an episode just talking about, you know, dumb things criminals have done, mm-hmm. I'm down. I love to just rag on criminals. Mm-hmm. We all I love tell to rag I should do it better. <laughs> <laughs> we all love to rag on criminals. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. Bye! I think we're forgetting something. What are we forgetting? Bye! Bye! <laughs>